Welcome to The Real Look. I'm Bruce Hardy. And I'm Chase Williams. I'm so excited to introduce this episode's Northern Lights guest, April Florzik, with Keller Williams Realty Boise in Boise, Idaho. April is an award-winning, top-producing Boise realtor with over $400 million in local sales in the Treasure Valley, specializing in luxury real estate. She works relentlessly and is passionate about real estate and new construction development. April understands the value of investing in real estate and personally owns multiple income properties. She is most proud of raising three amazing children as a single mom while building her business over the past 19 years. Please enjoy this conversation with April Florzik. Well, g'day, April. Welcome to The Real Look. Where does today's podcast find you? I'm sitting in my office in downtown Boise. Excellent. Well, we all have a story. We all have a journey prior to real estate. So what was your journey? My journey has always been real estate. My father was a commercial builder and high-end luxury home builder in Naples, Florida. One of my very first jobs was working as an assistant to an agent. So all I've ever known, eaten, breathed has been real estate related. Being an assistant in real estate, I mean, what caused you to say, you know what, I should get licensed and do this myself? I was in Naples, Florida. At that time, the largest developer in the state. I was an assistant to an agent and we released a high-rise building on the Gulf. And in one day, we sold $92 million of real estate just on the phones before the building was built. So that was pretty exhilarating and exciting. And I was like, yeah, I've got to be a part of this at a much higher level. That experience that you had that cemented that that was going to be your pathway, it originally happened in Florida. And here you are in Idaho now and you're starting your career. So tell us how you started in Idaho. What did that actually look like when you made that move and made that decision? My family was living in Boise because I graduated high school. And so I moved back to Boise to start at Boise State University and immediately got licensed as soon as I got back in the state. I started working with an agent and sat an open house. I think my first month I sold four houses off of open houses. Like I just, I saw it as opportunity, right? Anybody walking through that door, I knew they were actively looking. And it was pretty simple that if you just hustle and show them other options and other opportunities, you could probably get them in contract. It kind of became a little bit addicting because I just, I enjoyed the win. (laughs) So what did those first few years look like for you? You mentioned selling four houses right away, doing open houses. What else were you doing and what did that part of your career look like? Were you working with that agent for quite some time or how did that evolve? I was an assistant for a while. I want to say I was probably with him about six months. And then I decided just to kind of go out on my own. I've always been pretty independent. So went out on my own. It took me a lot of years to have that light bulb moment of, oh, I probably shouldn't try and wear every hat and do everything that a real estate agent does. But that was pretty common back then. I just hustled, right? Like I had a good, you know, network of people. I've always been really outgoing and friendly and stayed in contact with people. And I just started reconnecting with them, you know, and not really talking specifically about real estate because that always naturally comes up in the conversation. How long were you doing that before you decided to go down the path of adding leverage to your world? Oh my gosh. I want to say I've been with KW for seven years maybe six. And I didn't start leverage until Stacy States took me down to not family reunion, mega camp. mega camp. And that was that eye-opening moment of, 
I'm really not great at graphic design and layout and print. <laughs> I don't know why I'm fumbling through this. <laughs> Excellent. So, I mean, you've been, what, 23 years in the business? Yes, sir. And yet it was only about six years ago that you decided to add leverage. So when you did that, what happened to your business? My business grew. I want to say my first year, I tripled volume on what I was doing. But it, I mean, it's scary, right? Like out of the gate, I hired three people to join the team. And that's kind of how I operate. I'm either all in or not at all, right? It was life-changing. It really helped me identify the things that I love in the business and the things that I don't enjoy doing that kind of drain my energy. I see this with a lot of top producers, right? I mean, some of us have control issues. Hi, my name's Bruce. I have control issues. But how was that learning to let go of those duties? And, and like you said, getting clarity around what you actually like to do and what you're good at. I mean, it's hard in the beginning, but when you are surrounded by talent, other talented people, and when you start to hear comments of, oh, Christina's so amazing, and oh my gosh, your social media feed is incredible, and it doesn't take long for it to click that, yeah, thank goodness I made this call because no one was saying those type of comments before because I was so busy trying to do it all on my own. You know, I wasn't touching the client anywhere near as often as we do now because I was just running around like a chicken with her head cut off. You said when you're surrounded by talent, how did you find that talent? Interviews, asking my current network of people who they knew, trusting the people that I was talking to. And just, I think you recognize it pretty easily out of the gate. You know, if it's creating more stress in your world and that they're putting more stuff back on your plate, it's not the right person, right? Or if I have to slow down too much to kind of hold their hand through it for the speed that we kind of move, that's probably not the right fit. So it was really just finding other people that loved the business as much as I do. So they love real estate. They're self-managed is what I heard you say. What are some of the other characteristics that you look for when you're identifying talent? Loyalty. Loyalty is a real big thing when I'm reviewing resumes. If people are jumping around a lot, I, I just, I don't even look at it. If they've been changing jobs consistently if they have other past wins, I mean, this is silly. I mean, I look at things like, do they work out? Are they active in life? Just because I know that is such a big deal to me and my energy level. I want to be surrounded by other people that are highly energetic as well. Love that. You also talked about kind of this pathway for leverage being scary initially, even when you experienced it there at Mega Camp years ago. What do you think it is that scares us business owners and entrepreneurs about going down the pathway of staying in our lane and leveraging some of those other things to others? I think we're afraid to fail. When I finally decided to make the hires, I basically just said, I'm betting on myself, right? I mean, that's what it boils down to. And I have to believe in myself and my capabilities and this is going to work out. I mean, a lot of it was I was looking at the salaries. I wouldn't say that I did it technically the way KW teaches you to build a team. I've always been more admin heavy than other agent heavy. I looked at it as, okay, if I take on these salaries, if we're not succeeding and we're not winning, I'm not keeping them for the entire year, right? So it was really as, do I believe in myself and my capabilities or don't I? Yeah, I love that. And actually, what you just said there, right, I mean, is what we advise people to do, which is build a really strong administration foundation to your business first, right, before you go off and add more salespeople to your organization. You have, what, four admin? What, last year closed 55 units for $62 million. If my math is right, that's about a million two for a sale. Is that about right? Yes, sir. It sure is. Yeah. <laughs> so talk to us about that. 
how do you average uh, 1.2 million in Boise, Idaho? Right. Our pending average right now is 1.7 million. We're, we're pretty excited about. It was a slow, steady pace. Like the very first homes I sold in our market were 70,000 new construction starter homes. That was my network. That was my sphere, right? Those were my friends that were young and they were buying their starter homes. But I think what I learned from living through the market in 2008 and nine is I really started to study the market and the data. I saw an opportunity in our local market at that time where it was hard to find building lots. There was a side of town, which we call East and North Boise, where there were no builders actively building. And it was an area that had higher appreciation than other areas in the valley. And I stumbled upon some building lots that were priced less than what builders were paying in Meridian, in the Meridian market. And so I just called up this builder I'd worked with and I just said, hey, can I just show you like the information that I've been studying? And I just sat him down and we went through the data. I said, I really think you should buy these four lots because you're buying them in Meridian and you're competing with, you know, 50 other builders and nobody's building on this side of town. He said he'd think about it. And then a lender referred a buyer to me who was a doctor who was looking specifically in that area where these lots were at. And I called him back and I said, I think I already have one sold for you. We put the deal together and he bought all four. And it really, it transitioned his business and it transitioned my business because we all of a sudden started building. At the time, it was, you know, seven and $800,000 homes. And that became our inventory level versus a $300,000 home in the Meridian market. I love this story. And I hope our listeners hear this, right? And Gary Keller talks about it, become the economist of choice for your consumers and your clients. And you obviously are a student of the market. Did you consciously make the decision, I want to move up market? I want to do higher priced houses. From that first experience of getting handed a half a million dollar earnest money check from an 18-year-old kid from Germany, I always knew I wanted to be in the upper end market. But I can't say I consciously made it. I just was looking for opportunities within our current market. And that's what I identified. As I looked and I saw, this is a part of town where there's never any inventory. People don't move out of it. Yet nobody's building and there are building opportunities. Why? Nobody else wanted to kind of stick their neck out. I think it's scary, right? You're building a spec home. And at that time, it was an $800,000 price point And you're nervous, right? And there are a lot of agents, I think, that struggle with new construction and don't understand it. I think from a young child, I always kind of had a good understanding of it. And I'm not afraid to ask questions, no matter who's in the room. <laughs> Love that. That's a great quality of top performers, by the way. So... You talked about these four lots and that as kind of the entry point into what started to happen in your business. What happened next? I'm going to guess that that led you into additional opportunities that were similar or in that price range. I didn't really have a relationship with this builder and he was easy to talk to. And I thought, well, I'm going to start calling other builders, right? And start sharing the same information and bringing opportunities to them. And that's exactly what I did. So right now, my business is 50% new construction and development, and the other 50% is residential resale. How do you go find those opportunities? I mean, what do you do to be able to come up with these deals, the land that makes this work for the builder? I mean, I network, right? I'm constantly talking to other agents. I'm studying, like, it's not too hard to find out who owns the land. You know, we're sending out handwritten notes, talking to other, you know, developers in the area, I wanted to be one of the people that they called when they had, you know, a new phase that they were releasing because I was very confident in my selling skills that I could bring a builder in and he'd be willing to buy lots. 
I'm pretty proud that we, gosh, in the last 15 years, I don't think we've started a home that we haven't sold before it was completed. So I've never really had a model home to sell, which is an easy sale to a builder because that's their fear, right? Is they don't want to sit on finished product. Right. So you really have sort of almost two clients. You've got the builder clients, builder developer clients, and then you've got your retail clients who are buying that inventory. Yes. How does that show up for you in your business? I mean, how do you deal with that difference? I'm in essence running two completely different businesses under 208 market. We have two different systems in place on how we interact with builders and developers versus our existing clientele. You have to structure it that way because, you know, a resale seller wants to hear from me every day. A builder developer never wants to hear from me, doesn't want to know, (laughs) doesn't want the paperwork, doesn't want the headache, just wants the deals put together. So I've just learned to kind of set it up as two different businesses within our brand. But it was sure helpful in 2020 when there was no product, no inventory in our market to have that new construction kind of carry us through. Have you seen any changes to that part of your business in this recent kind of market shift that we're experiencing? Are you having to do things differently? Are the conversations changing for your builders or developers? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of fear or unknown in our marketplace right now. A lot of the builders put the brakes on over the last six months when they saw, you know, the faucet of buyers just really slow down. So the conversations I'm having now with the builders and developers is they need to get back out there. They need to believe in themselves and the product. I continue to study the market, but what else is really telling that you don't get from data, right? From the MLS is what's up and coming. The other day I spent three hours and I probably called 20 of the top producers in our Valley that really focus on the same area of town that we focus in. And I just said, tell me what your pipeline looks like. What do you have coming on? That information is very valuable to see because I already know we have nothing to choose from right now, right? So then I can take that information and then go talk to the builders and developers and say, hey, I just talked to the top 20 top producers in our valley. And this is what they are all saying. And it's all consistent. So hopefully that little extra you know, snippet of information gives them the confidence to actually get back out there and start digging and pouring some foundation. Hang tight, we'll be right back. KW Relocation empowers agents to help them grow their individual businesses and their profitability through relocation partnerships. At Keller Williams, we have our own training and certification program to ensure that your relocation clients have the best trained agents working beside them. KW Relocation invites agents to leverage access to top training, networking opportunities, and exclusive resources that no other industry can provide. Apply to become a member of the Keller Williams Relocation community today at communities.kw.com and embrace the opportunity to grow your business. You were selling $70,000 starter homes, and now you're up over a million-dollar average sales price. What's the difference, or is there a difference that you see in terms of the service level and what you provide your clients in the higher price points? Everything has to be cohesive. Every touch has to be a higher level, a higher quality. There are no shortcuts. We never say no. There's always a way to make it happen. 
we can't find somebody. No, we'll find somebody. We'll find a carpet cleaner to show up at midnight. If you can't get out and the buyer needs to get in, like we will make that happen for you. So really having a strong network of good vendors that we work with has been crucial. Making our brand look very exclusive and high end, creating an experience for every client. And we hear consistently, we feel like we're your only client, you know, and they might not know what's going on behind closed doors <laughs> and the craziness. We dress professionally every day. Even if we're, you know, off for the day, we're still dressed professionally. That whole fake it till you make it mentality. We just try and deliver at a higher level than any other agent would. Because typically the higher clientele expect nothing but the best. Yeah, absolutely. What are you most excited about, April, when you look out at the business that you've built and now with the team that you've formed to support you in that business? As you look out into the future of your business, maybe it's three years, maybe it's five years, maybe it's more. What are you most excited about? I'm most excited about taking a little bit of a step back and helping others on my team kind of grow. I've recently offered ownership to one of our admin. I feel like I've been super blessed in this life. And a lot of that came from investing in real estate. And so if I can help everybody on my team get their first investment property and hold on to that and not have the fear of what if I can't find a tenant and really hold their hand and talk through that process with them, like that is what excites me right now. I'm a single mom. I've got three kids. I'd love for one of my kids to get in the business. We'll see how that plays out over the next several years. But I'm just a firm believer in real estate and how you build long-term wealth. Love that. What's cool about that, April, is we hear that message time and time again from our top producers. And I mean, in my role as the regional director, which has been about 10 years now, I mean, I've noticed you've always been in the top 20 in the region, right? And that's out of about 7,500 to 8,000 agents. So kudos to you. But to do that level of business for as long as you've been doing it, what do you do to generate your leads? What do we do to generate? Well, right now I have incredible marketing. Our brand curator on the team, she does an amazing job on all platforms. But I would say the best return on investment is really building relationships with my current database and my key builders and developers and clientele. The more time I spend with them. So this last week, I invited three different couples and I'm single, right? Which is always kind of awkward to be like the fifth wheel or the seventh wheel. And so I invited three other couples, I threw them in my car, we drove out to Caldwell from East Boise, which is about a 40 minute, 35 minute drive. And there's an amazing Mexican restaurant out there. And we just had dinner in this private room and just laughed and joked and didn't talk real estate at all, but just had a good time. One of the clients was a new developer builder who's moved into our area. And I'm just trying to help him network and meet people, right? Like, They lived in Oregon their entire life and now they're here. And what seems crazy to me is that's where I probably get the best amount of business and leads is by having fun with people and really getting to know them on a personal level, which took me many years to figure out that just seemed backwards. Like I always thought I had to be hustling and grinding and finding opportunities. And I would say recently that light bulb has gone off to really focus more on building the relationships and making them deeper. I like to ask this question, knowing what you know today, if you were to go back and talk to your younger self getting into real estate, what would your advice be? I would have hired help right out of the gate 
And I would have started investing in relationships right out of that aha moment would have happened a lot sooner than recently. And this sounds weird, but I've never been a networker. I've never made time for that kind of thing. I've never spent time taking clients out to dinner or inviting them to my son's, you know, basketball game or, you know, and just getting to know them on a personal level. I was always focused on the grind and finding the opportunities. And I think if I were to start all over, I would spend more time building those key relationships. And it's a lot more fun. (laughs) This has been awesome. I just want to say to any of our listeners, if you have referrals in the Boise, Nampa, Meridian, Eagle, Coldwell area, look no further than April Florsick. And we'll have April's contact information in the show notes. April, this has been a real treat for us today. So thank you for taking the time to be with us. This is awesome. Thank you for having me. Now a brief word from our sponsors. Stick around. KW Military is a community established to recognize and support Keller Williams associates who are active duty military or military veteran, as well as their family members. KW Military honors their service and sacrifice by providing associates with the tools, training, and camaraderie needed to grow a better real estate business and even better life. Embedded in the values and beliefs of all services, whether Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force, Space Force, or Coast Guard, is a strong commitment to service. Similarly, KW Military is committed to serving the veteran and their families at the highest level. Learn how you can get involved with KW Military by visiting communities.kw.com or reach out to me, Carl Royston, the Keller Williams Northwest Military Regional Ambassador at kroyston at kw.com. That's K-R-O-Y-S-T-O-N at kw.com. Well, Chase, there were some great insights there in that conversation we got to have with April. So what were some of the key things you took away? I thought it was really cool, Bruce. April's one of the few, I would say, top producers that we've had the chance to interview that basically just started her career in real estate from day one. We've had a handful of those. Typically, someone's coming from another previous career. And I always think that that's fascinating. There's parts of me that wishes I had started out in real estate. But man, she had such a cool story about just like catching the bug. She even used the word addiction and like of finding how exhilarating it was to make that sale and to get connected with that consumer and always knew that that would be something that she would pursue. You know, it was fascinating to me how long she went in the business at a very successful level without any leverage. And frankly, how courageous she must have been at the time after doing it one way for so long successfully, making the leap and the change and moving through some of that fear she described to pursue leverage and really build a support system around the business that she had. I thought that was a real cool part of the story. Yeah. And, you know, again, we hear this a lot, right? I mean, there's a lot of fear in our industry about going down this road, right? About taking on leverage. It's the fear of making payday, you know, making salaries for your people and and feeling that weight of responsibility. And yet she mentioned a business tripled once she did it, right? It's like, boom, okay, things happen. And that's the reality of it, right? And, And we've got to just get over the bridge of fear to get to the other side, because if you get the right people in your world, it frees you up to do the dollar productive activities that make you the money. That was a great illustration of that in our conversation with her. Not only that, but then Bruce, she described some of those dollar productive activities that really 
changed her business. And that was studying the data and understanding what was happening in the marketplace and specific opportunities that existed by studying that data. And for her, it was some building lots on another part of town where no one was building. And then certainly connecting the builders and connecting a potential buyer and making that happen. I just love it when we hear top producers talk about seeking the opportunity, right? Looking for it because it's always actually there, regardless of what's happening in the market, whether we think it's good or we think it's bad. There's always opportunity that exists if you're looking for it. And April certainly was. And gosh, that led her down a pathway of dramatically increasing her average price point to saying, gosh, I really didn't have a a relationship before with this builder and that felt kind of easy. So maybe I should pursue more builders. And she did. And now it's half of her business. And again, all from looking for that initial opportunity. And then she described continuing to spend time looking for those opportunities, understanding where the market is going by talking to top producers, for example, and then delivering that value back to those relationships to say, hey, there's there's still good opportunity here to start putting some foundations back in the ground, given the recent you know, market changes. And I think that's just a mindset, Bruce. First, it's always knowing that there's opportunity there. You just have to look for it. And then certainly when you see it, then getting into action and seizing it. I hope it wasn't lost on our listeners. But you know what I got from this, this conversation was she has her marketing match her market. She mentioned how she and her team show up in the office professionally dressed every day, even if they're coming in on a day off, right? They look the part. That's actually really important, right? You need to dress for your clientele. That's part of who your brand is, right? You can tell that that's a big deal for her. Gosh, she had a name for her marketing person, her brand curator. And I thought, hmm, okay, I had not heard that before. That speaks to being very, very purposeful about building a brand and how important that is. Absolutely, Bruce. And then you might think of April as having this kind of high-end, well-over-the-average-price-point type business. She certainly does. And talking about the importance of delivering this amazing customer experience, no shortcuts, never say no, always a way to solve the problem. And yet, Then she pointed back to some of the most important foundational pieces of building a great business, and that was investing in relationships within your database and even some of those core advocates inside of the database. And that continuing to be even more important to her now than maybe it was, realizing, oh my gosh, I can invest in these relationships any different way than I thought before by having fun and spending time with these people even outside of work. And the amount of business that comes from that, I thought that was a great reminder because some of us, Bruce, we think of the business in a little more black and white, and yet we are in the relationship business. And so that piece is super critical to having a consistent business out of your database and your sphere of influence, having those relationships, but spending the time and effort to deepen those relationships in April's words. I thought that was really cool. Next week's Northern Lights guest is Juan Murdoch with Keller Williams Realty, East Idaho, in Idaho Falls. We'll see you next week on The Real Look. This podcast is produced by Marissa Frost. Visit kwnwr.com to access the show notes from today's episode. Head over to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe to The Real Look. And don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week 
with a breakdown of all things real estate.